0: Lottie, say, pop psychology.
1: Pop psychology. Yeah. Hi, I'm Scott, and you're listening to Pop Psychology. And in this episode, we psychoanalyze Elsa from Frozen. And we did that in the past. But now you're listening to it after Frozen 2 has come out. And we don't know nothing about Frozen 2, because we're in the past. And we haven't seen it yet. What oh, is this well, as, soon as it comes out?
0: Is this some <laughs> is this some kind of time travel thing? <laughs> um, well, kind of um, we're continually traveling in the, into the future. mm wow uh,
1: Yeah. and so uh, when we record something, uh, it's in the past of when it gets released.
0: And so when they listen to it, they get teleported into the past.
1: It's kind of like, um, it's kind of like, um,
0: like if they listen to it, could they tell, and and all of a sudden they're in the past, could they tell past them about what's going to happen in the future, like, a, like who's going to win a sport game? Well, no, that would be cool, but
1: you can't actually talk through a podcast. The only way to engage with a podcast is to listen to it.
0: Mm. Okay, well not as cool as i thought
1: what's that movie uh with keanu reeves where they go back in time
0: um you mean bill and ted
1: yeah bill and ted so it's it's kind of like it's like bill and ted but it's like bill and ted before they travel back in time you know when they're just like going forward in time (laughs) uh at the rate of just like a normal clock
0: yeah uh, huh yeah. It's do, like that
1: part of Bill and Ted.
0: And don't they have like some kind of special machine that lets them do that or?
1: No, it actually just happens. I huh. don't need to do anything.
0: uh huh. Doesn't yeah. sound, sounds kind of lame.
1: Or in like uh, Avengers Endgame.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. Pretty
1: much th- throughout it, except for the part where they're like going and stuff, but throughout the rest of the parts of the movie, they're just like, uh, into the future
2: mm-hmm.
0: at just
1: a normal speed.
0: Huh? Okay. I think I'm following. Yeah. Okay. Well, should we let them listen to the episode?
1: Yeah, listen to it.
0: Listen to it. Just final, uh, final clarification. You're gonna hear that Frozen Two hasn't come out yet. That's wrong. It has come out. It has. Just when we recorded it, which was in the past, it hadn't come out yet. But now you are in the present. You're not literally in the past, although you are hearing the past, but you're hearing the past in the present. Yeah. Don't get confused. That's
1: how time works.
0: That's how time works. Enjoy the podcast. We love you. I'm trying to kind of capture more of a sense of audience. Uh-huh. Oh. So that's why maybe I want to start by saying something like, Oh, hey, Internet. Uh-huh. I didn't see you there. We're glad you could join us today. This is Pop Psychology, a podcast about uh, psychology and pop culture. We take uh, characters from pop culture and we try and crawl inside of their guts. To see what's going on. Gross. Yeah. Specifically the brain part of the guts. Yeah. And specifically the mind part of the brain. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, this week, what are we what
3: are we doing? Frozen. Anna and Elsa let it go.
0: (laughs) Anna and Elsa let it all let it all hang out. Let it all let go. Yeah. Tell me about what do you think about Frozen? Have you seen the film before? How many times have you seen the film? How many times did you see it in theaters? Uh Uh-huh. So my friends and I got kind of obsessed with Frozen
3: when it came out in 2013. As did we all. Yeah. Man, that was so long ago. And we ended up watching it in the theaters and then right after saying, let's watch it again. And then right after that saying, let's watch it again. And I think we ended up watching it four times.
0: Like the same day?
3: Uh, within
0: like two days. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. It was fun. <laughs> that is fun. Um, why do you think you, uh, wanted to watch it? Well, our good and times? great,
3: yeah. Our good and great friend, Derek Clements, who is very enthusiastic.
0: The host of the, the Pixar podcast. Yeah.
3: The host of the Pixar podcast. Um, he, perhaps his defining characteristic is his enthusiasm. Right. Yeah. And he just became obsessed with it. And so we just got swept up in his obsession.
0: Yeah, I feel like everyone uh, is kind of obsessed with it. Yeah. I mean, it just seemed like it really hit in a weird way.
3: We were obsessed with it before it was cool.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it hit in a weird way. Not a weird way, but it hit. It was a a sleeper hit. Yeah, Like, no one saw it coming. I remember watching the trailer for it. Cause I watch basically every movie trailer that comes out. Yeah, maybe that's not true. There's a lot that I don't watch, but I watch a lot of movie trailers. Yeah, and uh, I remember watching the trailer and just being just okay. Like, what the what's this supposed to be? Well, I
3: remember though there was a trailer that was a short. It It was Olaf being a goof. Yeah, and uh, well, and it was the reindeer Olaf and the reindeer on the ice. Yeah,
0: Sven is that that's the reindeer?
3: Yes, Sven. And I was quite charmed by that.
0: I was charmed, but I kind of didn't know what to mm-hmm. it didn't I didn't expect that. I expected uh, I expected it to be something like I remember being very excited about in like computer animated yeah. films, yeah. and then there being a period where it became obvious that people were just mass producing them, yeah. you know, like the nut job came out, uh-huh, you yeah. know, yeah and uh B movie, right, exactly. I'd never even saw a B movie, yeah, I mean he, Jerry Seinfeld was in it, yeah, he came out of not being in things, uh-huh. <laughs> to be in the B movie, yeah, yeah, <laughs> anyway, um, and so I just kind of assumed that it was one of those, yeah, you know, like kind of low grade, even though it's it's Disney, uh uh-huh. it wasn't Pixar, though, yeah, you know, which is maybe why I was going to dismiss it, yeah. but yeah, I liked it, I liked it a lot. Have you seen the trailer for Frozen Two? um,
3: yes. You- I guess I found it forgettable because I forget all about it. Oh, I was really excited about uh-huh. it. Oh, wait. Yeah, no. Well, there's a line that's like, uh, before Elsa was uh, af- afraid that her powers were too much, but now, for the world, <laughs> but now are they going to be enough?
0: Yeah, except for they didn't, it wasn't as lame as that. Uh-huh, yeah. the troll well, yeah. Troll King, yeah, and he was saying it to her, yeah, which is cooler than how you just said it, yeah. We were afraid that your powers were too much for this world, but now we have to hope that they're enough or something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, wow, yeah. I think that's cool. Yeah, cool that is cool. Line. Yeah, it wasn't as co- it wasn't cool when you said it. Yeah. No. Well, agree to disagree. No. <laughs> I disagree to disagree. Um, I have a I have a frosty beverage here that might get in the.
3: So if you hear some clinkle clankles. This is our, our sponsor, Orange Liquid.
0: <laughs> it's one of those uh, Mio uh-huh. squeeze things. You squeeze it into your water. Oh. So maybe we could get them to sponsor us.
3: Just make the check out to Scott Parker.
0: Well, no. Me. I'll I'm the one that drinks it.
3: Yeah, I'll share some with you. It has
0: caffeine in it, which is what I like about it.
3: Oh, and also
0: I like about it that sometimes they don't even pretend like they're trying to be a fruit flavored. Yeah, they have a flavor called Green Thunder. Uh huh. Yeah, and it's like it's just shockingly supernaturally green. Uh huh. And it tastes like garbage. Yeah. But some of their other flavors are pretty good.
3: Hey Jared, did you ever think? Did you ever think that you might have ADHD?
0: It's getting real in here. <laughs> um, <clears throat> would I get to take Adderall? Yeah. I might have it. Well, that that could explain your relationship with uh, caffeine. Caffeine, yeah, yeah. Well, I can explain my relationship with caffeine, and that is I had an 8 a.m. Uh, stats class. Uh-huh. Um, no, that's two, not. Two semesters ago. Uh-huh. And uh, I started taking caffeine every morning to not die. Uh-huh. And now I never want to quit, and I. But I could quit whenever I wanted, but I never want to. Um, <clears throat> we were talking about M- Mio, the delicious tasting, good for you. Uh, um, generous sponsor of podcasts, beverage company.
3: Yeah, and I can say from my experience with this beverage, uh, it looks good.
0: Yeah. It looks like it's made from the freshest of juices. The freshest of orange chemicals. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Fresh from the factory.
3: Yeah. Which that's a pet peeve of mine. Actually, is people referring to chemicals as if that somehow means like, uh, like synthetic. Mm. You know. Right. Because literally, if that was orange juice, it would be have just as much chemicals. It would
0: be just chemicals. Yeah. Or if it right. was
3: pure water. Right, it would be just yeah, as true. much chemicals. Yeah, true. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, this is a, a side note, but that is I'm so I'm doing some research on um, what students are taking away from intro psych courses, mm. and I'm interested in how intro psych courses kind of subtly uh, nudge or shift what what students believe about like what it means to be a human being, you mm. know. Mhm. And um I've been surprised I've been doing interviews with people and I've been surprised at how many students s- talk about chemicals a lot. Yeah, yeah. That's like one of the big things they take away from yeah. from the class, you know, is is this idea that um there's a bunch of chemicals behind everything. Yeah. Yeah. N- uh, meaning like neuro uh um uh, neurotransmitters and stuff yeah. like that, you know.
3: I'm telling you, man, we are projecting the structure of the unconscious onto these chemicals scare quotes in the same way that the alchemists did. Say no more. Yeah. That's enough said
0: about that. Anyone self
3: explain. Clear
0: point. as a bell. <laughs> yeah. Um shut up about that. <laughs> um Sorry, Internet. We got distracted. Is our audience the Internet? It's all of the Internet. Okay. Good. I think I, I'm working on a deal where our podcast will be mandatory if you want to use the Internet. We should get sponsored by the Internet. Yeah. Yeah. Like, before you can log on and use the Internet, you'll have to listen to the podcast. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think I can get it done. Yeah, that's. I just got to find reasonable. the Internet company. Yeah. Um, so, uh, <clears throat> Frozen. Did you watch, did I send, I sent you some clips. I mean, I showed you some clips. I mean, I pulled up a clip for you.
3: I just watched the first 15 minutes of the movie.
0: Good. Yeah. I feel like that's where a lot of the guts are, or a lot of like the nuanced stuff. Mm -hmm. I remember pretty vividly the, the let it go song. Yeah. Catchy song. Yeah. And I think that's, that's another moment that's really relevant. Yeah. Um, for understanding, uh, Elsa, Mm -hmm. who's the, kind of the. Person we're going to talk about today. We're not going to talk about Anna. We're not going to talk about Olaf. Well, we'll talk about. Actually, I want to talk about Olaf. We're not going to talk about Sven. Mm -hmm. Do you want to mess with your microphone again? Okay, I'm just going to put it on this. Hold on, I got it. Oh yeah. (laughs) So we want to talk about. We're going to talk about Elsa, and um, yeah. So there's those. I think there's kind of three moments that are super relevant to Elsa. There's the beginning part, which I really feel like is kind of the whole thing for understanding her psychology. Mm -hmm. There's that, there's the middle part where she runs, you know, she has an ice freak out and then she runs away from the coronation thing. Mm -hmm. And then there's kind of the resolution in the end with Anna and, uh, so, but I think kind of the, the reason I only had you watch the first part is because I think the other two moments are a bit easier to understand, even if you haven't seen him recently. Yeah.
3: you know, Yeah. And, um, and I mean, I did watch this movie like five months ago. Really? Yeah. Just for funsies? Yeah. I watched it with your daughter. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. How'd she like it? Um, She probably didn't understand it. Are you
0: saying she's stupid? Well... Okay, she's only she was only a year old back then. Yeah, yeah. She doesn't even speak English yet. Yeah,
2: huh.
0: English has. She's kind of like an ESL.
3: She she could work on some things.
0: Well, okay. I have a pile of books to my left. Mm-hmm. Can you see them? Oh yeah. How do you feel about these books that I have? Man is and His Symbols,
3: Client-Centered Therapy, A Different Existence. Never heard of that one.
0: I referenced it two episodes ago.
3: Oh. And is that say A Different Existence? Yeah, it does. Yeah. And uh, the DSM-5. Yep.
0: So we want to talk about uh, Elsa today. hmm And let's start by talking about what we're trying to make sense of, what uh, psychological perspective might help us to understand better. Sublimation. Whoa. This, so you've, you've thought about this? Yeah, of course. <laughs> I'm the one that
3: prepares things, though, uh-huh. and you don't. Well, I started psychoanalyzing this movie
0: long ago. Uh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, but but um, let's, describe, let's describe it first. I uh-huh. mean, everyone in the world has seen this film obviously yeah. yeah and everyone has probably seen it 3 or 4 times in theaters within a couple of days yeah yeah of course yeah um but just a refresher uh elsa has magic ice powers yeah they seem th- this is like the this is like the part of the of a case history where we're describing symptoms yeah she has magic ice powers um they go haywire out of control when she's um psychologically uh out of whack yeah and i i initially wanted to say when she's mad or scared but i kind of don't necessarily think that that captures all of it yeah you know yeah. we can come back to that yeah um she uh responds to this by isolating herself from everyone, yeah. Um, and well, I guess we can just start with that. Yeah. That. Uh, also, what's what else is relevant? She was close with her sister. Then she decided she needed to push her sister away. Yeah. Um, she, her parents died when she was a young adult, maybe like a late, like a teenager. Uh, before yeah. she came of age, quote unquote. Yeah. Teenager. Yeah. Um, so, um, uh, I think, so, okay, I have, uh, two DSM things mm-hmm. and then, and then I want to talk about repression. Mm-hmm. So I see in her life and in her symptoms or whatever uh two structures that remind me of stuff from the DSM mm-hmm. that I wanna that or you can talk about. I want to see what you think about. Ooh. So I'm gonna pull it up. So first um <clears throat> uh panic disorder. Uh huh. What do you think about that? Um
3: I don't think she has panic disorder.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm not saying she has these disorders. I'm saying, um that I'm kind of looking at the DSM as, like, a description of, like, types of symptom clusters. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I, I just see some structures of panic disorder yeah. in uh, her experience. Why not, though, anxiety disorder? Well, here's why panic disorder. So yeah. panic disorder is characterized by, first, panic attacks, uh-huh. which are pretty physiological and scary. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You've worked with people with panic disorder, right? Yeah. So uh, the DSM thing is uh, describes panic attacks, palpitations, pounding heart, accelerated heart rate, sweating, trembling or shaking, sensations of shortness of breath or smothering, feelings of choking, chest pain or discomfort, nausea or abdominal distress, feeling dizzy, unsteady, lightheaded or faint, chills or heat sensations, uh, paresthesias or numbing or tim- tingling sensations. That's yeah. what that means derealization or depersonalization so derealization is like i'm in a dream yeah you yeah, know yeah. um or depersonalization is like i'm not real i'm not real or or um almost like i'm watching myself yeah do you know i don't feel like i'm even doing the things that i'm doing you know yeah yeah um and uh, fear i've had a panic attack before you have yeah it is crazy a lot of people Experienced it almost as like a heart attack people yeah. people call 911 a lot for it here's like it's a heart here's
3: my description of it um with no clear uh trigger mm-hmm. it, this was in the middle of the night i just woke up and i felt so afraid mm. that if you know if a nuclear bomb had gone off and I could see it like coming towards me and just like destroying everything. I don't know if I would be more afraid than I was in that moment, you know right, and uh my heart was going and it was like pain in my chest and just like hard to breathe and I drove in the middle of the night to the e r, and I was like, "I'm not gonna pay the friggin." huge ER bill. So I'm just going to, I literally was like, I'm just going to like, just chill in my car right next to the ER entrance. (laughs) And if I die, then I will just like, like, you know, fall out of my car like fall I'll over start, on the horn. Yeah, yeah, and I will like crawl towards the door, and then you know, and then if you die, you'll crawl towards the door. I mean, if I'm dying, you know, okay. and then they'll come out and get me. And so I just, I just like was in my car for a couple hours. Right, and you know, it was the thing that that helped me to calm down, looking at bird stuff on my phone. What's bird stuff? No, just looking at, like, well, specifically, I researched, I looked at, like, owls and, like, how they make their nests and stuff.
0: Yeah, well, interesting.
3: And We're going to come back to that. It called me, yeah, and it (laughs) calmed me down enough that I could felt like I
0: could go back to my house. So why why did you think it was a panic attack rather than, like, a heart attack? Is it because you're thin as a rail and it seems unlikely that you would have a heart attack?
3: Yeah, I just knew enough about panic attacks.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah, interesting. Um so, you're right. I don't think she has panic attacks per se. Yeah. But here's the here's the second part. That's just a panic attack. Yeah. Panic disorder is um so uh, having a panic attack uh, attack that's followed by 1 month or more of the following persistent concern or worry about additional panic attacks or their consequences
3: yeah a
0: significant maladaptive change in behavior related to said attacks yep um yeah so that's a good point yeah so i i see two i see two things um in this that i that seemed relevant to me um to elsa yeah i keep Having to pause and make sure I'm saying Elsa and not Anna. Yeah. Um. So, one is when you have panic disorder, you have a fear of fear itself. Yeah, it's a basically. fear phobia.
3: Yeah, it really is.
0: You know, you have a phobia. You you feel panic about not having a panic attack, yeah, totally. which is so paradoxical and horrible and, and builds on itself. Yeah. It's this building, you know, uh, up and up and up type of response it's a it's a vicious cycle, yeah it totally it fuels itself um and then second, you restructure your life yeah to try and um, control uh having a panic attack, yeah you know yeah, or when you might have it so people they won't go in public because mm. a lot of people have it's it's kind of the fear of having a freak out in public is yeah. a big part of it for some people, yeah, you know, so they won't go in public um or Uh, you know, they'll always be looking for the exits and easy way outs of places or stuff like that. They do these kind of warding behaviors. Sometimes people like shut themselves in because they just can't handle being in public. You know?
3: Yeah, and and Elsa definitely has that. Oh, totally. I blame the trolls.
0: Well, I don't blame the trolls.
3: Okay, the trolls. What they did was they were basically they're like. They were like, and hold the gun to your head and say, don't be afraid or I'll shoot you. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right, right.
0: What is What does he say? He says, like, he says, you have powers and they're great and they can do beautiful things. There's
3: beauty in it, but also great danger. Right. You must learn to control your powers and beware of fear.
0: Right. Beware of fear. Yeah, shoot. <laughs> Yeah.
3: Beware of fear. Well, and
0: then her, and then her parents internalized if you're afraid, that. Yeah, it'll be dangerous. Yeah, um, that reminds me of another uh, episode that I want to do. I want to do the Baba Duke. Uh huh. You ever seen the Baba? I haven't seen that. Neither have I. But I, I know it. There's a similar structure in that, which is the more you try not to believe in the Baba Duke, the more real and more powerful he gets. Oh, so yeah. So it's this escalating you are trying to deny his existence and you're yeah. denying his existence like feeds his existence. You know? Yeah. Anyway. <clears throat> That's freaky. Yeah, it's freaky. Um. Yeah, okay. Well, then her parents internalize... The, those instructions in, in kind of in the worst possible way. You yeah. know, I think her dad's the one that comes up with the conceal, don't feel, don't let it show yeah. line, which is like the worst yeah. parenting line yeah. of all time. Let me give you another. I mean, he
3: does kind of get it because she's getting upset, and he's like, "Don't get upset; that makes it worse." I know. Yeah. But even that line is like, right?
0: Don't freak out. Right. And I want to come back. I want to come back to the parents at the end. Yeah. But let me give you another DSM one: mm. obsessive compulsive disorder. Mm-hmm. This one's this one's a bit of a stretch. I'm not saying she has it, but I'm saying there's some there's some there's some similarities. There's some structural similarities here. So, mm-hmm. um, recurrent and persistent thoughts, urges, or images that are uh, that are experienced um, as intrusive and unwanted, mm-hmm. they cause uh, marked anxiety or distress. Yeah. Uh, The individual attempts to ignore or suppress such thoughts, urges, or images, or to neutralize them with some other thought or action. And then, and so that's the obsessive part. And then the compulsive part is like some kind of compulsive warding off behavior. Yeah. Which a lot of times is like, um, a lot of obsessive compulsive obsessions are about like cleanliness. Yeah. You know, so people will clean their house obsessively because they feel like they're dirty or they'll wash their hands a hundred times, but it'll also be like, Little uh, rituals to ward off unwanted thoughts. Yeah. You know, oh, like yeah, it can be all sorts of things. counting or balance or flipping light switches on and off a certain time, certain amount of times. Or they're afraid their house is going to burn down, so they check to make sure they w- turned off the stove like 10 times, you know, because mm-hmm. did I really, you know? So <clears throat> here's do you see any connection there? I do you see any connection there? I
3: I would need to interview Elsa a little more. Well,
0: here here's all here's all I'll have to say is that for her as part of the um her gloves almost become a symbolic way of warding off yeah, yeah. um this negative emotion, yeah, you know? Yeah. And so she starts to lose control when she takes her gloves off. Yeah. And then when Anna pulls her glove off that's when you know they have that confrontation during the coronation she pulls one of her gloves off that's when she really loses it
2: Uh uh-huh yeah
0: you know yeah so um i'm not saying that she's obsessive compulsive but i'm saying like can you see that structure there um yes like the glove becomes a symbolic thing that to her it's um like a ritual it's a ritual it's a it's a yeah. Comforter. Yeah. You know, it's a baby blanket, you mm-hmm. know, kind yeah. of thing that kind of, um, neurotically she feels is keeping her symptoms at bay or something.
3: Yeah. But it's actually keeping them alive. Right. Ooh, That's yeah. the thing with the compulsions is it feels like in the moment, you know, it's, uh, warding off the thoughts. Right. The obsessive thoughts. Um, but, um, you know in the the bigger picture is it's keeping the thoughts so so charged mm-hmm.
0: you know mhm which is why the therapy for obsessive compulsive disorder a lot of times is behavioral yeah it's it's about breaking that that bond which is why and it's like really dramatic and you know, it's just exposure therapy. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, you're afraid of dog poop. Swim in a pool of dog poop. Yeah, yeah. Just roll around in it.
3: Well, there are people who are, um, who have like the cleanliness thing, mm-hmm. and uh, the thoughts of like, I'm, I'm tainted. I'm gross or whatever, and, and so they will. Do cleaning stuff or whatever, and there there is an OCD specialist therapist who keeps human urine in her office uh-huh. <laughs> um,
0: to do exposures. Uh-huh, right, right, yeah, right. So, I mean, that's just speaking to um, how you address something like that is through confronting it. Yeah, you know, like yeah. doing the opposite of what your compulsion is telling you to do. So, yeah. <clears throat> so those are some interesting patterns. But really, what I want to talk about is repression. Uh-huh. Yeah. Cuz I feel like that's I mean and this is kind that's kind of obvious, yeah. you know, that that uh, what's going on with Anna is some form of repression. Mm-hmm. And I had I had two um it reminded me of two people mm-hmm. and you'll have to help me with one of them. One is it, it reminded me of Jung. Mm-hmm. Some of Jung's stuff. And the second one it reminded me of some stuff that I read by Carl, Carl Rogers. Mm. And so I can I can pull both those up, but I, I first I'll just say that um, <clears throat> when you when you say repression, a lot of times um, it has like a Freudian connotation, and I think it seems like kind of a theory laden word. Do you do you have that association? Yeah, yeah. And um, but what I'm more interested in is is the phenomena of repression. In other words, regardless of kind of how you theoretically want to explain it, yeah, it's very clear how is it experienced? right. It's yeah. very clear that there is this phenomena of people desperately trying not to think of things or experience things or be a certain way. yeah, you know, yeah. and that's the phenomena. and um i i I kind of hate always going back to f- Freud because <laughs> uh-huh. it's kind of a stereotype. You know, uh-huh. like that all psychologists think about Freud. Yeah. Although it's a, it These if, days,
3: almost no, none thing. Right. About Freud. If yeah. that's
0: like a, if that's like a popular understanding about psychology, it's like totally wrong because like 99% of people in psychology like hate Freud. Yeah. Only we get it. Yeah. Only we get it. Yeah. No, that's not, that's not true. Not 99%. But like the more scientific a psychologist you are, the more you just don't care anything about Freud yeah. And even a lot of clinicians don't read that much Freud anymore. Yeah. Anyway, um, I'm I'm apologizing for something, but mm-hmm. but but here here's why I think I keep going back to Freud, and that is first of all he's a great writer. Yeah. So you read him, and his way of describing things sticks in your brain really well. Yeah. You know. Um, but second, uh, Freud, kind of regardless of his theoretical explanation for phenomena. Mm-hmm highlighted a bunch of really interesting phenomena and people quibble with his explanations Mm -hmm. behind it. You know, he, he describes repression. He describes transference. He describes all that stuff and people quibble with his kind of theoretical Rube Goldberg esque, Mm -hmm. you know, explanations where he ties it into instincts and sex and development and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, But I feel like the phenomena that he highlights is, like, super insightful. Yeah. And even I've become a bit more sympathetic about kind of even some of his theoretical explanations and sex and instincts and stuff like that. A little
3: bit more. I've softened on that regard I mean, when it comes to Elsa and her powers, I, I just immediately think of sexuality.
0: Whoa.
3: Yeah. I think you and a lot of people actually... I mean it's it's this thing that she's born with, right, and it can be used for good, right, but if she tries to repress it, then it'll pop out, sure, you know in destructive ways, right you know?
0: yeah, I think a lot of people um caught on to kind of the uh l g b t q uh-huh. uh uh narrative or resonances with the story, yeah, for sure, yeah, you know.
3: Although, but not even necessarily the orientation of the sexuality, but just the sexual energy and what you do with the sexual energy. Sure, yeah, you know? sure. I like it's but, kind of the same for heterosexual and homosexual.
0: Right, right, totally.
3: But I would also say, but there's more, perhaps, like
0: pressure to repress for the homosexual side of things. Sure, yeah. Um, but I would say, I, I while I can see the resonances, it's it's <coughs> definitely a stretch. For in the story. Uh-huh. In other words, that's not what she's repressing. Yeah. You know, she's repressing her emotionality. She's repressing her powers. She's repressing her relationality with her with her with people. You know? Yeah. Like those are the aspects that are actually explicitly in the film uh-huh. being repressed. You know, Mm. so I think it's she Well, she's trying to repress her powers,
3: though. Right. Her goal is to not have them, basically. I'm just saying
0: the story works well as a parable about um, the dangers of having a overly repressive relationship with your sexuality. But it works equally well with your as a parable. Yeah. About your emotions or or other elements. It just works well as a, a, a parable about repression in general. Yeah. You know, sure. Um. So, um, let's see. So, I guess what I'm first, first and foremost, what I'm always interested in this stuff is the phenomena. You know, I like to think of myself as a phenomenologist because I like the word phenomenologist. And and so I'm, and, and then, and then I'm interested in in kind of people's interpretations of the phenomena, their theoretical interpretations. Yeah, I feel, and and honestly, I feel like any. Theoretical interpretation that has stuck around and people refer back to or referred back to for, for years yeah. was picking out something yeah, about totally. the phenomena. Like, yeah. we're not going to talk about Freud today besides this. Yeah. But, you know, I think one of the reasons that Freud's interpretations st- stuck around and people still look back at them is because tying our problems into um, kind of animalistic and in- instinctual like the animalistic instinctual side of humanity and the tension between that and culture and the cultures um in, uh insistence that we repress a lot of our desires mm. i think that's super insightful yeah you know what i'm saying yeah that interpretation, it, it's a, it's not everything, and that's where Freud gets into the trouble. Is that I think he makes it everything. Yeah. But it's it's part. It's definitely a piece of the phenomena. It definitely connects a lot of dots
3: and makes sense of a lot of phenomena. Sure.
0: Yeah. And um, in that sense, Freud was touching the elephant. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That old, you know, blind people touching different parts of the elephant uh-huh. and and describing it. Yeah. You know? Um, I, that analogy. Uh. Resonates with me when it comes to in- interpretations. Say more about that analogy. So the the analogy is um, that there are all, there are these like five blind men and they all kind of stumble upon an elephant, which is very patient and just stands there and lets itself be manhandled by a bunch of blind people. Yeah. So that part of the story just kind of falls apart. Yeah, or woman handled. Sure. But the, in this story, they're all men. Okay. And <laughs> each person is touching a different part, and so. Someone yells at them from the distance, like, hey, you guys are touching an elephant. So mm-hmm. I, I'm just trying to make sense of how they knew it was an elephant. Yeah, okay. And uh, they're, they're each giving an account of, like, oh, an elephant is like a wall, you know, because he's touching the, the side, side of it, yeah. the broad side of the elephant. And someone else says, no, an elephant is like a, like a broom because he's touching the bushy yeah. end of the tail, the an, tuft of hair at the end of the
3: An elephant is like a starfish... That that is also a hole. <laughs> yeah, that would be the butthole. That would be the anus. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, and then someone else says, "No, it's like a snake," you know, because it's touching the trunk. And someone else says it's like a leaf because it's touching the ear. And yada yada yada. Yeah. Um, and a lot of times we might say like, we we come at phenomena with different interpretations, and they they can be seemingly incommensurable. Yeah and anyway so yeah. that's that's
3: kind of what i'm getting at and then and then if someone says no it's really a snake that's the real i felt it it's it's uh-huh. a snake trust me then that's not recognizing you know and that's maybe what freud did was he discovered some really cool parts of the elephant but then he right you know mistook yeah. it for the whole thing
0: right yeah yeah and you know um anyway I, that, i'm just i'm just trying to say that this is why these kind of even seemingly incommensurable interpretations yeah. are interesting to me if and also you could be totally off base, so someone could be providing an interpretation and they say, "Oh, it's like a mouse, yeah, and it's like, "Dude, you're not even touching the elephant, you're touching a mouse, yeah, you know, yeah, and uh <clears throat> but if a if an interpretation is good, yeah, you know then it's highlighting some feature. It it's it's almost like listening to a really complicated symphony.
2: Yeah. And
0: it's pulling out like, oh the piccolo. Listen to what the piccolo's doing. What does that mean about the whole yeah. symphony, you know? Yeah. Kind of yeah. thing. So
3: we're not gonna we're not gonna fully describe the rich dimensions of Elsa and her uh, all the way to her unconscious and the structure of her ego. Sure.
0: Yeah. But okay, so <clears throat> That was a big like lead up to this.
3: <laughs> but I think we will revisit Freud because what about sublimation? Yeah,
0: sublimation, totally. Yeah. Um so two interpretations that I want to highlight. One would be Jung. Yeah. And you'll have to help me with this. I don't know Jung that well. Yeah. Um <clears throat> so uh like Freud, mm-hmm. Jung believes that modern living um can be potentially psychically problematic yeah there are big aspects of a real well-rounded healthy thriving human being Mm -hmm. that um don't fit well with modern living and so they get we wind up repressing them and that could be something like you know modern living tells us to be scientific and rational and so we repress our artistic non-rational side you know it can vary from culture to culture sure um etc etc yeah um our our modern living tells us to repress our passionate or instinctual or kind of primitive side and Mm -hmm. but there's something good about that stuff Yeah. yeah um so also like freud he thinks that the key to understanding the origin or the nature of the psychological problem is to interpret the person's life. Mm -hmm. Specifically, when something is going wrong with them, uh, the nature of the psychological trouble Mm -hmm. will show up symbolically in the symptoms and in various aspects of the person's life, it'll show up in their dreams symbolically. It'll show up in their obsessive compulsion, like their obsession and their compulsion. It'll show up, you know, um in, like for Freud, it'll show up in their slips of the tongue. Stuff like that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So far, so good. Yeah. Um For Jung, he would say he has some interesting wrinkles to add to this discussion. One... He would say, "What is repressed um first it will it manifests itself sideways yeah in in symptoms, yeah, but also it kind of in the shadows it kind of gets twisted yeah and and uh turns into a dark version of itself, yeah, so like there's a there's an appropriate version of." Assertiveness, um, masculinity, mm-hmm. femininity, whatever. There's like healthy versions of those yeah. ideas, um, those structures, those patterns. Yeah. But if you are repressing it, it's going to come out in a weird, distorted, in bizarro its Shadow version. form. Right. Yeah. Is that so far so good? So,
3: yeah. And not only those things have sh- a shadow form, almost everything has a shadow form. Uh huh.
0: Right. Yeah. Um I I just want to say also that once again, you know, this sounds kind of mystical and stuff like that, but just try and keep your eye on your eyes internet,
2: mm-hmm. your internet eyes. Yeah.
0: Um on the phenomena, you know. Yeah. Because Jung was coming up with this stuff because of what he was seeing in the lives of patients. Just trying to make sense of Our human experience. Right. Yeah. And that's when I I always get in trouble with psychoanalytic interpretations when I can't tie it to the phenomena themselves. Because then it starts to feel like kind of weird. Yeah. Mystical or, you know. Yeah. um, Things, which, anyway. Um, So, so here's my question. First, um, is what is Anna repressing? Why is she repressing it and what symptoms is it producing? Or maybe what Elsa. does this, what did I just say? Anna. What's no. It? Oh yeah. Elsa. Sorry. Yeah. Um. What, what do the symptoms that she's producing show about what she's repressing? Maybe, yeah. you know, if we were a psychoanalyst, we would be interpreting her life and her symptoms and showing how they symbolically are. Oh, interesting. About what's so going
3: marshmallow on. monster, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> what what might that say about what she's repressing? well th-
0: well, first, let's talk about kind of the primeval wound mm-hmm. like the the original trauma, yeah, she's a girl, she has her powers, she can use them she's at peace with her powers, yeah you know, um she and Anna get up in the middle of the night, they're going and they're playing in the ballroom, playing in the snow that she makes, all that kind of stuff um she uh Anna starts to kind of go get fast and loose, doing dangerous stuff. It makes Elsa kind of panicky mm-hmm. um, and uh she tries she kind of lashes out. Not like she's trying to hurt her, but she's trying to help her. She's trying to do something. She winds up hitting her with her magic ice powers yeah. and, and hurting her. So that's kind of the original thing. She's lost control. She just kind of did something uh, out of fear instinctually, and it damaged her sister. Yeah. Then she goes to the trolls. The trolls say, you know, it's good, but it's bad. You have to watch out for fear.
2: Yeah.
0: You know, and then her parents start beating the drum. Mm -hmm. of conceal, don't feel, don't let it show, Mm -hmm. you know, which is kind of two things. One is it's don't feel, Mm -hmm. right? But also there's an aspect of it that the trolls didn't tell the parents that they're adding, which Mm -hmm. is this keep up appearances
3: yeah, type of thing, which is like
0: another level of like pathology.
3: Yeah, because my thought was like, why did she have to keep it from Anna, like what she was doing? Right. Why couldn't she just be like, yeah, I'm just trying to control my powers, and I'm tr- I'm trying to beware of fear. So
0: this 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 is a the part they don't explain that well, but it's something like because she did a magic, she accidentally did a magic ice blast on her sister's head. Head. Mm-hmm. Um, the ice. There's a danger that that will spread and do damage to her unless she is somehow. Um, kept away from her sister's magic or something like that. Yeah, isn't that what they're saying? Yeah,
3: yeah. yeah. Um, which turns out to be not true.
0: Turns out to be not true. Yeah, yeah. totally. <laughs> Everyone's just screwing everything up. Yeah. At the beginning here. Um, <clears throat> well, where, where were we? Did I? What did we say?
3: We're talking about the original uh, trauma and how that might perhaps explain the form that her symptoms take. Right. Yeah
0: um so castle castle it's phallic uh yeah yeah sure castles are all i've always found castles to be very erotic yeah personally no okay so there's two there's two moments that i think are are helpful because it seems to me like her uh neurosis Mm -hmm. uh Manifests itself in different ways at two different points. Mm -hmm. So first is during the original repressive period. Yeah. Right. And what's she repressing? She's repressing. She's trying to hold back kind of her negative emotionality, Mm -hmm. her anger, her fear, Mm -hmm. you know, because I think anger does it too. Yeah. That's what kind of makes her, uh, makes her powers manifest themselves at the coronation Mm-hmm. when anna is keeps pressing her about this thing, and yada, 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 yeah, you know what I'm saying, yeah, um so and she's trying to repress her fear mm-hmm. and she's trying to repress just her powers in general mm-hmm. so those those are the three things that are being repressed, right, yeah. and the symptoms are that she's trying to repress her fear and but it's coming out anyway, you know. Uh-huh. Uh, she's still afraid. Repressing your fear just makes your fear that it doesn't work, you know? Yeah. And, um, And then the second thing is it doesn't even work with her powers because they keep manifesting themselves anyway. Yeah. So here's the second moment.
3: But are you looking at the content of her symptoms? The content is spikes. Right. Castle.
0: Right. But Castle's in the second moment. Marshmallow Man right so, so, in the first moment her the content of the symptoms yeah. is just their
3: her room is frozen
0: it's a it's it's a bursting forth, yeah, right yeah it's it's a bursting forth um it's a um lashing out, yeah, sure, right, keeping people away. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's right. Yeah. You know? Um. So what she... Is
3: that giving us... I mean, she's... It's not hard to interpret. It's stay away from me or I'll
0: hurt you. Right. I might hurt you. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. So here's the second moment. Yeah. Is after the coronation, she goes out. She sings a beautiful song. Yeah. In the whatever. Yeah. In the mountains. Um, let it go. Let it let go. Let it go etc. Cetera. Et cetera. So what's happening in that moment?
3: She is um uh she's not gonna repress anymore.
0: Um yeah she's not gonna repress her powers.
3: Yeah or her emotions.
0: Yeah she's not gonna repress her emotions right yeah. although it's interesting because being able to express her powers Gets rid of the negative emotions, mm-hmm. right? So it's not like she's not going to repress her fear. She doesn't have any fear to repress. Yeah, totally. Because you know? yeah. she's out there in the in the wilderness and there's no one to hurt, you know? Uh-huh. So she can just kind of let it all hang out. But this is what
3: Jung would say is like um, identifying with the archetype, mm. you know? Um, and perhaps... I would say identifying with the shadow of her powers. Mm. You know, she's isolated from other people. It's uh, you know, not only is it an ice palace, but it's like spiky and mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, the uh Marshmallow Man, like the big snow monster thing. His name
0: is Marshmallow.
3: Oh yeah, whose E-T-W. name is is Marshmallow. Yeah. He uh um is like a, aggressive and you know stuff, and so mm-hmm. that's the
0: shadow side so this this is what I took from it in this second part, while she is um she uh has made a transition, and she's at a new psychic equilibrium, but it's also unstable yeah and, w- and because and we can tell it because it's still producing symptoms, and what what symptoms is it producing? marshmallow. Yeah. Oh, and the whole city, everything is frozen out. Frozen, yeah. Also, Olaf, Mm -hmm. Olaf shows up Uh during that period, which is interesting. Is also kind of an unintended manifestation of her powers. Yeah. Um. So,
3: which Olaf is the most, uh, free with his
0: emotions? Free with his emotions, loving, accepting. Like if he has an emotion, he'll just
3: say it out loud. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. But also he is he is the loving, you know, uh uh accepting affectionate, you know, yeah, part of her. Yeah. You know, maybe. Yeah. yeah. So, during the second period, even though she stopped repressing her powers, she stopped repressing her emotions. She's repressing her relationality. She's repressing, she's trying to deny her need for other people. Yeah. And that's why I think it still is producing uh symptoms, it's still producing side effects, which is why I think it doesn't make sense to say that it's that um she needs to watch out just for fear, yeah, you know, it's just basically you know her ice powers are basically equivalent to like a barometer for her mental health, yeah, you know what I'm saying, yeah, and if she's out of kilter in any way, they get out of kilter, yeah, you know, and when they're out of kilter with fear or with anger. Or with her uh, fracturing this part of herself, which is this relational need for other people, um, uh, being willing to be intimate or open with other people, which she was kind of repressing before, but kind of trying to. She was still being part of society, even though she was trying to keep it in check. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So now she has given up the other two repressions, but has gone 100% into this other repression well which before she was kind of half and half you know it's uh, like i'm not going to completely just completely uh isolate myself from every person in the world mm -hmm. um but now she's like all in i'm i'm totally rejecting that side of myself i tried to kind of be near people but not in relationships with people before but Mm -hmm. now that didn't work i'm just gonna cut that part of me off yeah you know yeah, you cold could... never bothered me anyway. Yeah, <laughs> you
3: could see it as a an- as another repression, but I don't, I don't see it quite that way. I see it as she was repressing before, and now what's the opposite of repressing? She goes to the other extreme, which is just giving into completely. So it's the it's the you know person who's repressed their sexuality and and you know masturbation is bad and all this stuff, who, when, when they finally kind of break from that, they go to the extreme in the other direction. Uh-huh. You know?
0: Right. But except for... Yeah, yeah, extreme in the other direction and they're being untrue in a different way. Yeah, yeah, because then
3: that thing that they were repressing, um, is now their master. Right. Is now imprisoning them. Right, you could say, right. and so they're not—they're not integrating right they're not that integrating. part into into themselves. Right, you know? the, it just—you know—the trolls' their instructions were just so woefully inadequate. Right, you know, instead right. of saying there's beauty in it, uh, but there's also great danger and beware of fear. Right, they should have said this is a—you a, know—a a part of who you are and you you need to learn how to use it in good ways. Mm-hmm. I mean, just as simple as that, like,
0: you know. Yeah, but she uh, it can also kill people. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, well, you it's can, hard. You can say this is a natural part of who you are
3: and it's it's powerful. Right. And so you need to learn how to use it in good ways, not in destructive ways. Right. You know?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Totally. The emo- their their emotional intelligence advice was really bad yeah yeah totally um i but honestly i think that um a part of the let it go moment is a rejection of her is a rejection of something it's a rejection of her relationality it's just saying i'm too bad or being in relationships with other people doesn't work i tried to be around even i tried even to strike this middle ground and being around people you know but keeping them safe and that didn't work so i just can't be around people i need to be alone yeah. you know and that even though it's maybe a uh, a better well in a sense she's moving forward because she has accepted part of herself but but she's still fractured she hasn't integrated she's not integrated yet like you yeah. said she accepted that part at the expense of the other part and she needs yeah. to find another way to to integrate them together, yeah. and so how does that show up in the symptoms? Well, first of all, it shows up. She's freezing everyone out. Yeah. In the town, she's—it's a perpetual winter everywhere. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Because she has rejected, uh, you know, uh, others' uh, mm-hmm. relationships with, with everyone. Yeah. And so I think. Well, it's, it's like symbolically it works pretty well. If you give in. If you
3: completely give in to the thing that you're that you've been repressing, and it and it it becomes your new master, it doesn't only affect you; it
0: affects the the ones people around you. Mm-hmm. Sure, yeah, and then and then I think, um, Olaf is another manifestation. It's the, um, it's the uh, affectionate, you know, um, familiar. Uh, you know, side of her that she's pushing away. Yeah, yeah. That part of her creates Olaf. Yeah, you know? and then and then also, and and sh- and her
3: the other part, the shadow side of her powers tries to destroy that part of her.
0: Yeah. Oh, damn. Yeah. Yeah. Shit. Through marshmallow. Yeah. Yeah. The big ice monster. Yeah. And that one's a bit more explicit because they show up and she's like. I'm gonna create an ice monster to scare you guys away. Yeah. You know. Okay. So that one might not even function that well as a as a symptom because it's something that she's intentionally doing. Yeah. Anyway. But so it's not
3: who she really
0: is. It's <laughs> not who she really is. So the third moment is the end where she integrates. And how is it that she's able to integrate everything together? Um
3: well, she is. She is touched by anna's uh act of love mm-hmm. and
0: uh oh sorry before we go on uh, just just another reference to the great j h vandenberg who says that um psychopathology is the science of loneliness mm. i mean we're just seeing it in every like in every episode yeah you yeah. know that when someone that like it's definitional of psychopathology that it's various forms of isolation which i think is why
3: getting a diagnosis can feel so good it's it's like there's other people like me Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying yeah 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 okay sorry uh so uh at the end i'm not gonna go through all the details but anna saves elsa
0: through an act of self sacrifice yeah through an
3: act of self sacrifice mm-hmm. and then that melts Elsa's heart cuz here's yeah. the thing at the beginning of the film the ice guys sing beware the frozen heart yeah but the only person who's fr- whose fart is f- is Hosen in the film you switched those is is Anna but that's not the frozen heart that they're talking about Mm-hmm. They're talking about Elsa's frozen heart. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Her symbolically
0: frozen yeah, heart. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. That's good. It's a switcheroo. Yeah. Because because uh Elsa's heart, no, sorry, Anna's heart does get frozen yeah. when she confronts Elsa in the ice palace, and that's why she's slowly freezing to death. Yeah. You know? But that's not the one they're talking about. That's not the real yeah. beware the frozen heart. Beware the uh, proverbial
3: frozen heart. Yeah, if they would have just said that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's better
0: that they didn't. So, yeah. So it's this act of acceptance and love and self-sacrifice that
3: melts Elsa's heart. Right. It's like receiving grace. Yeah. You know, melts her heart, and then she uh realizes that the uh the emotion to use to wield uh her powers in a way that's true to herself is love. Mm-hmm. So it's like if I wield my powers with love, mm-hmm. then I have control over mm-hmm. them. Right. Because they are a part of me. Therefore they are integrated.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So let me give you some carl rogers cuz that's what this reminded me of first of all carl rogers has a great theory of repression that's interesting and i'll just touch on it because we've already talked about repression too much but he talks about um he talks about how um psychopathology often maybe always involves uh introjecting other people's values as our own mm-hmm. and getting confused that someone else's values are our values. Yeah. So her parents say, you know, fear is bad. Never feel fear. And she starts to think, yeah, fear is bad. Uh, I'm dangerous. You know, uh, I never feel fear. I can't, you know, I can't. Or, or, or your powers are bad. Or your powers are bad. Totally. Yeah. Your powers are bad. They're dangerous. And she... That's not her original values, yeah. you know. She gets those values introjected into herself and, and takes them up. But she's confused. They're not authentically hers, Yeah, you know. And so he, then he talks about how <clears throat> when we have those kind of introjected alien values that we have forgotten aren't our original values, aren't kind of authentically ours, um, begins to – well, he says – Psychological maladjustment exists when the organism denies to awareness significant sensory and visceral experiences, which consequently are not symbolized and organized into the self. When this situation exists, there's basic or potential psychological tension.
2: Mm.
0: Very, very... Put in different language, but very similar to you know what Freud or, or Jung might say, there's a similar right. structure to it, yeah, right, yeah. but I like his I like his idea, which kind of ties into uh, ideals of authenticity, yeah, you know, that we're not being authentic with the values you know we're inauthentically holding to values that we in our guts we don't really believe in, right you know and and it's mangling how we experience the world, how we experience ourselves, how we experience our emotions, yeah,. Ruh. Whoa! Yeah, yeah, dude. The other part, um, the other Carl Rogers thing that this whole parable reminded me of. I kind of said whole there. This whole parable uh, reminded me of Carl Rogers is a big advocate of the healing power of the therapeutic relationship. Do you know what the dodo bird effect is or the dodo bird's verdict? Um, Remind me. So in psychotherapy research, interestingly enough almost any type of psychotherapy winds up being successful. You can go in and talk to a Freudian and talk about how you masturbated when you were a three-year-old and your relationship with your mother. You can go into Jung and talk about archetypes in your dreams. You can go into Carl Rogers, and all he does is sit there and reflect back to you in a loving way what you're saying to him. Mm -hmm. You can go to a cognitive behavioral therapist, a good cognitive behavioral therapist, and look at your thinking errors, and you get better. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like people tend to get better, and of course, you know some therapists are better than others, and people are always trying to pick apart like which therapeutic approach has an edge over over which other one. Mm-hmm. But by and large, even though there might be kind of slight differences between effectivenesses of certain approaches, yeah. everyone gets better just by seeing someone. Yeah. Right?
3: Yeah, well, and not, well, there's what they call the common factors. Right. Yeah. A con- so, say, say, what is that? So, the common factors are just like uh, between all those different approaches, what are the things in common that they have in common that are correlated with getting better? Right. And those things are um, just like uh, the therapist's ability to be genuine the qual- you know the quality of the of the relationship and the feelings that the client has towards the therapist mm-hmm. um and uh there's other ones that we don't talk about as much like um the uh the ability of the therapist to um bring things to the client's awareness uh and challenge the client to face those things
0: right. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. So those are kind of similar: the Dodo Bird Effect and the Common Factors. Yeah. Theories. Yeah. Common Factors theories. So Carl Rogers, um, he believed so much that the healing part of the therapy was the relationship with the therapist. Yeah. That's kind of his main thing.
2: Yeah.
0: So much so that his therapeutic technique is just basically be present with them. Really care about them, mm-hmm. and then all you have to do is kind of repeat back what they're saying so that they know that you're listening. Yeah. You know, yeah. and I, you know, people make fun of this approach a lot because mm-hmm. it's easy to make fun of. Because mm-hmm. when it's done poorly, it's really bad. Yeah, you know. But if you ever watch Carl Rogers do it, like you can look up the Gloria tapes on mm-hmm. YouTube, which is one lady getting therapist getting therapized yeah. from three different therapists, and Carl Rogers is one of them. And it's just, I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm too. Maybe I like Rogers too much, but I just think it's brilliant. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And you can really just tell how much he cares and and loves her. You know. Yeah. So. And he really does get to the heart of things. Sure. Which you wouldn't, you know. If you
3: do it poorly, you're just repeating back, and you don't get any deeper. Right. But he gets deeper, you know.
0: Right. Yeah. Right. So, what Rogers would say. So first he would just say that when someone is in a relationship with someone else that really loves and accepts and cares for them
2: mm-hmm.
0: when a when a when a client is yeah. in a relationship with a therapist who really loves and cares and accepts them
2: yeah.
0: um the client will use that relationship as a tool to fix themselves yeah in other words he just says we, people naturally fix themselves. Yeah. If they're in a, a nurturing, wholesome environment, humans are like plants. They yeah. just naturally thrive. If they're in the right environment, they just thrive. Everyone thrives. Well, there's another uh, Dr. Rogers, Fred Rogers.
3: Yeah, sure. Who um, also you know, has a similar approach. I don't think he was a doctor. Oh. He no. was a mister. No, I think he was. Child development
0: I don't think he got a doctorate though.
3: I oh, think yeah. he got a master's. Oh yeah, a master. Uh, master Rogers. Master Rogers. Rogers. Yeah. Who? Um, yeah. He. He had a similar approach. And like one thing they say in in like child psychology is, mm-hmm. the child will not change until they know they are accepted exactly the way they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Right. And once they feel that they're accepted exactly the the way they are they
0: will do their own changing right yeah. right so rogers um carl rogers mm. right yeah yeah okay <laughs> <laughs> i'm getting all the names mixed <laughs> up carl rogers carl jung fred rogers yeah. um <clears throat> carl rogers w- had a couple explanations for why this why he thought this worked mm-hmm. the just being first of all he called it unconditional positive regard Regardless of what the client is seeing in, in in the therapy session, you just Yeah. You just sit there and you know, listen with attentiveness and with care and with affection and even if they're telling the worst things about themselves they
3: say say I snorted
0: cocaine off of my baby's crib. Right. You know. You know. You you listen and you don't go, oh, what the hell is wrong with you, you know, yeah. kind of thing. And also there's something about the um, uh, empathetic mm-hmm. listening and repetition back to them that's healing as well. Because you're almost ingesting their what they're saying about themselves and repeating it back to them without judgment. So mm-hmm. these things that they've always felt judgment about, you know, mm-hmm. when I was little, I, you know, ate living squirrels while they were still alive and I'm a real dirtbag, you know, and you just say, yeah, oh, okay. So you had this experience when you were younger, you know, of eating animals while they're still alive. You yeah. Know? And they're like, "Well, when you we say it like that, it's not that bad." You know, like yeah. your uh, your ability to repeat it back without judgment, without affection enables them to do it yeah. kind of,
3: you know. Yeah. even if there's people who are killing each other using knives and forks, yeah. calling each other names
0: like dork. Yeah. You're not shocked. You're not shocked. Yeah. Uh, so you, if you want to be a Rogerian therapist, you have to be kind of unflappable. Yeah, kind of, you yeah. know. Um So here's, here's my connection. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, uh, Anna's, uh, showing unconditional love for Elsa Mm -hmm. through her willingness to die to protect her sister, Mm -hmm. um, allows Elsa to accept herself Mm -hmm. to see that she's lovable To see that she's worthy of, you know, love and affection or whatever. Mm -hmm. And that kind of radical acceptance of her sister, it's not like um, Anna through the whole thing has seen everything that her sister has done. Yeah. You know, she sees that she's made this eternal winter. Yeah. Not eternal, but, you know. Yeah. This supernatural winter, she sees the ice spikes. Yeah. She gets, you know, shot by a frostbolt in the heart and it's slowly it's like, killing her.
3: Everyone else is t- is afraid of Elsa.
0: And uh, Anna is unflappable. Yeah. None of that stuff. It really is quite touching. It's very touching. Yeah. None of that stuff. She looks through it as if it's not there, yeah, you know, and it's just like, yeah, but it's my sister, yeah. you know, and I know her, and I know that she's a good person, you know, yeah, and uh uh that allows Elsa to believe that about herself, yeah, yeah. you know,, yeah. and so that's so that's one thing it, it's this self acceptance thing, yeah, including know? her powers, including her powers, yeah, exactly, because it's not like um she she can't now believe that Anna only likes me because she doesn't know what I am. Yeah. You know, it's like, she's seen the worst about what I am and she's been the person who has suffered the worst of what I can do, Mm -hmm. you know, and it never stopped her from loving me. And so you said it's the, it's the love that's healing. But I think here, here's the piece that I would add. It's the love and the acceptance that, uh, creates the safe place that that enables Elsa to feel safe, yeah, and creates the place where she can use where she can now use her powers, yeah, and not be afraid because if she uses them wrong or she makes a mistake, it's not. Some kind of existential threat it doesn't make her a monster, yeah. she can make mistakes because she has someone who unconditionally loves her. The kind of unconditional yeah. love that she d- was not getting from her parents, unfortunately, I don't want to speak ill of the dead, but they were their love was very conditional, or at least it appeared conditional, yeah, you know because it really felt like felt like they withdrew affection. You I, know I
3: think they really did love her, but um to a child, it can feel like sure, well, yeah, like they viewed her powers as a defect. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. That's, that's all that I have. Yeah. Let's see. Yep. That's all that I have. Okay. So pretend you are Anna and Elsa's parents Mm -hmm. and I'm the troll guy and you're coming to me after the initial accident. Okay. Okay. So ask me to like help or whatever.
0: Hey, troll guy. What um what the heck's going on? Looks like she got sure her hair turned weird. Yeah. How can what's going on?
3: Okay, let's uh let's see. Okay, I'm going to I'm going to fix her head. Okay. There's going to there's some amnesia effects to that. Um but uh Elsa, you're a very special girl. Be careful. Mhm.
0: Okay. That's it. That's all <laughs> I needed to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Listen, everyone makes mistakes. Yeah. We still love you, you know. Yeah. And we're willing to help you with your learning about your powers. It's okay. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Basically, if you have a child who has ice powers, yeah, celebrate, celebrate it. Yeah.
3: Celebrate it. Yeah. Go march in a parade about them.
0: March in the ice powers parade. Yeah. Which would be freaking sweet. Yeah. <laughs> what do you guys think, internet? Did we uh did we is that what's going on here? Did we miss anything? Do our interpretations not make sense of all the facts in this case? Is this helpful? Does this help you? I mean for me I feel like it kind of when these type of psychological things work well, I feel like I I kind of see the character better and it makes the film better. Yeah. Is it make are, do our interpretations making the film better or making them worse? Making the film worse. I think it's better, dude. Me too. And I
3: think there's someone Sitting at home in the internet where they live and who might listen to this and say, hey, it's okay for me
0: to be me. Maybe someone out there has ice powers. Yeah. You know? You're not a freak. You're not a freak. If anything, we're freaks for not having ice powers. Yeah. Um, reach out to us. We're at Pop Psych Pod on Twitter poppsychpod at gmail.com pop psych pop psychology podcast on Facebook Um, and let us know what you thought of uh, of our interpretation let us know what you uh, what psychology stuff you thought of when you were watching the film and uh, let us know what other films you think we should do friends yeah we our cover art is done by blah 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 insert name of awesome artist here our f- music is by blah 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 we are produced and edited by Aaron Parker and uh we will talk to you guys be yourself in the real in then right near next in the next near future the end.